Good morning, Alaska, and welcome to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I am your host, Prentice Pemberton. Well, the CDC estimates that 13% of U.S. men meet the criteria for having a substance use disorder and that men accounted for more than three quarters of deaths from excessive drinking, totaling more than 97,000 deaths each year in the U.S. Despite these numbers, only about 10% of men with substance use disorders ever seek any type of treatment. Joining me today to discuss the challenges and barriers uh, men face when trying to get help for substance use disorders is one of the 2023 Recover Alaska Sober Heroes, Rob Say of Anchorage. Welcome back to the program, Rob. Appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Great to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Looking forward to unfolding this topic. All right. We had a little, little hiccup on your mic, so I'm not sure if they got that. I couldn't hear you for a second, but I think it's all squared away. Um, yeah, you came on, uh, I guess it was in March for uh, Sober Awareness, Recovery Awareness Month and yep. uh, with a couple of your your fellow sober uh, heroes and, and gave us a great show um, telling some stories and, and really uh, kind of laying things out for us about addiction and, and sharing, you know, some of that strength and, and hope. So I really appreciate you coming back. Um, I want to take a second to, to remind listeners that we value your participation. If you have a question for my guest or a comment about today's topic, there are three ways to connect with us. If you're in Anchorage, our local number is 907-550-8433. If you're listening outside of Anchorage, you can reach us toll-free at 1-888-353-5752. And you can email your questions to us at line1 at alaskapublic.org. you got to spell out line1. L-I-N-E-O-N-E. Um, we will do our quest, our best to get your uh, questions and comments on the air. All right. I keep wanting to call you uh, Ron Say. <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the baseball player. It's stuck yeah. right in my brain, but I'm going to try to keep it to Rob. Yeah. Uh, try yeah. to remember that. Sir. It's pronounced the same, though. It's uh, Rob C, actually. C. Okay, yeah, I've been like saying Like the letter it. C. Well, that's easy. Funny story, though. Like, So I've, I have friends that I've grown up with since elementary school who began calling me Rob Say, and they refused to call me by my <laughs> pronounce it the correct way, so we're all good. <laughs> okay, Rob C is with us here yeah. today. Um, it sounds like just the letter with a yep period. That's it. All right. Well, Rob, let's uh, I guess have you start us off for anybody who didn't kind of hear your story. I'm you know uh, interested in having you introduce yourself. Like what what's your background? What are you doing today? Um, some of the work you're doing sounds really interesting that we were talking about ahead of time. So let's just spend the first, you know, our first little bit of time introducing yourself and talking about your story. And then we'll get into some of the stuff you're seeing, uh, in real life with men who are struggling. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my name is Rob C. I was born in Birmingham, Alabama, raised in Portland, Oregon, and I've lived here in Anchorage, Alaska for about 20 years. Uh, Married for 17 years. I've got three boys, a stepdaughter who is who has two kids. So I'm a grandfather. Grandpa. Um, I'm a person in long-term recovery. Um, I've been uh, my recovery journey started February 3rd of 2018, and um, you know it was a pleasure to be here last March. You know it was kind of like my first um, outing of sorts in, in my recovery. And, um, 
you know, what I do in the daytime, I, I'm a community liaison for Henning Inc. Um, we do supportive housing services, including shelter operations for the municipality of Anchorage. We were over, we, we, um, we had the contract for the Sullivan Arena last year when it was turned on for emergency shelter. Yeah. Um, all along with the Aviator and the Alex Hotel. And right now we're overseeing operations um, at the former Golden Lion. And so um, we've been doing that for the last year and a half. I've been in this particular work with the Supportive Housing Services for the last three years. Uh, my background is in recovery services. I started with Cook Inlet Tribal Council, and um, I was right at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. And, and once the city shut down, they stood up emergency shelter. Um, the city came and recruited a couple of us from Cook Inlet Tribal Council, a peer support specialist, me, a job coach, and intensive case manager to help oversee one of the um, shelter sites. And, um, you know, it's during a time where we are on a lockdown. We couldn't get an ID. We couldn't get anything. I mean, it was really, really tough as a city, even from a um, government municipal standpoint, yeah. to get services, especially for individuals who are facing housing insecurities and are displaced. Um, but we had what we got to do. And that time, so we're in a hotel. We're at the Aviator Hotel. We've got a hotel staff who's used to accommodating hotel hospitality uh -huh. services. Yeah. Um, then we have um, our recovery services there. And then we had a contractor um, bringing in food. And so we came in there. And first and foremost, as a peer support specialist, my, my um, job was to make sure everybody got along and everybody had their needs. And so I had to quickly assess like the ability of the hotel to accommodate um, hospitality services to a population that is, that's faced with a lot of barriers. That's a, a collision of worlds. It was. Kind of. It really was. Um, the, the, the pros in it was that I was given a lot of freedom to work in my God gifted abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what we did, it got me the opportunity. That's where all the stuff that's happening in my life, I know we'll get into a little bit later, it were built in that time um, when we were in that shutdown and I had to really re rely on being bold, authentic, and creative hmm. and um, with the partnerships there. And we helped facilitate um, needs. We had to dig deep into our personal relationships yeah. with people to provide um, clients with gift cards with uh, some guys were, were work ready. What we found out was there's a lot of people who were willing to work. They just needed a little bit of help, whether it be with work clothes or filling out resumes, mm -hmm. you know, highly skilled people who just need a little bit of assistance, a little bit of hand holding, a little bit of walking alongside to get them to that next step of independence. Um, and so that's where everything, who I am now was formed. It was really, uh, really catapulted me into a, a space where the, there were obvious gaps, um, from, yeah. from, from clients to service providers and then even from service provider to the municipality. Um, 
there's a lot of meetings that are taking place about what does it look like for this population like right now in this this shutdown. Um, so what we did, we we uh, dug into CITC provided some grants for um, for uh, work clothes, and then we uh, I leaned into the recovery of twelve step programs. AA people in the community um, were willing to give people rides to meetings. You know, we had people going into meetings three times three times a day. We brought meetings into the aviator. Um, but these were all personal relationships that we had with individuals in the community. Yeah. Um, so that was the, the good thing was it allowed us freedom. Sometimes, you know, you work with service providers and organizations that um, have a lot of red tape. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> so, One of the silver linings of COVID was you got to cut through that. Yes. A lot of that and get creative. Right. How do we partner with the Aviator Hotel to provide services to homeless people in Anchorage? Exactly. That's, that's thinking outside the box. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Seems like we need more of that. We do, and and that's kind of where we're at in this space that I work in now. That's just my. I've come to rely on being able to have that flexibility to be bold and authentic to create um, environments and create companies, create relationships that can ser- best serve um, these this demographic that needs the most help. Now you mentioned you had transitioned. I mean, are, to start it, you started your own thing. Yes. And how did that? come about that transition from working or, or was that always the case? No, with, no. With so the it's, this is, it's, it's been very recent. Okay. Um, what we found out is that, you know, so what happened was we, in that first year, we developed a relationship with the aviator. They were brand new owners. The group that came in and bought the hotel, they were brand new and they had a heart for this demographic. They had a heart for the people in the city that needed shelter, but they, lack the experience that, mm-hmm. to deal with them on a daily basis. So again, um, that gave us a lot of freedom to, to start working with the individuals. Well, by the time uh, that first summer, you know, and we were talking about the first decompression of the Sullivan Arena, meaning that they wanted to, to draw the numbers down, uh-huh. empty it out, um, the immediate need was housing, you know, leasable units, options for individuals that we've been watching and been um, taking care of, walking alongside. And the aviator made 80 units available for leasable options with the contingent on the service provider there had to be Henning um, just because of the relationships we cultivated. Yeah. And let me give a quick disclaimer. You know, Henning was, is a 501c3 that was started by Sean Hayes. Um, who I met during the time she was contracting at that time for another service provider. Um, she started her nonprofit like right before COVID started. Um, and it just so happened that when the aviator made those lease leaseable units available, they wanted to partner with Sean. Okay. And so Sean and I, we became really close. <laughs> and so we took those 80 units um, last June and we put individuals in there, um, some who are recipients of housing vouchers, some that are self-pay, um, but they had spaces open for those 80 individuals. And out of those 80 units, um, only six people, no, five people we had to evict. Um, so we found something that worked. 
as far yeah, as that's a huge success right and so we that's just still that's 80 units it's a drop in the bucket uh, we need more more units um, and so quickly I started building relationships with homeowners property managers um, or property owners and what we've done is we started with master leasing units you know a lot of the people that we serve a lot of the clients they have a lot of barriers, whether it be evictions, whether it be substance abuse, right. a lot of different paths that prevents them from being no able to- No credit history. No credit history, exactly. Job right. history, all that exactly. stuff you need to put on the form. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. You know, and, and I understandably so if you're, and, and this is the other thing, uh, you know, there's been emergency housing vouchers, there's been all kinds of different uh, rental assistance and support, but I think the missing piece is having the peer support, having a staff that's um, that's has lived experience, that's been there, that has uh, recovered from a seemingly hopeless condition, whether it be alcoholism, drug addiction, mental health. Um, that's what our staff consists of, individuals who have recovered. And that's kind of like the peer support uh, model, um, using your lived experience, connected with motivational interviewing to help walk alongside individuals. I like that. That's a nice model. Um, if you're just tuning in, uh, my guest today is one of the Recover Alaska Sober Heroes for 2023, Rob C. of Anchorage. And today Rob is is sharing a little bit about his story, what he's doing right now and looking at some of the challenges. We'll look at some of those in, a little later in the program that men face um, in both seeking and, and staying in recovery. Um, if you have a question uh, for Rob or a story about how addiction has touched your life, please feel free to call us and uh, join in on the conversation. In Anchorage, our local number is 907-550-8433. Outside of Anchorage, you can call us toll-free at 1-888-353-5752. And our email is line one at alaskapublic.org. All right. Um, before we get into more of the men's stuff, we got six or seven minutes here before our first break. And I'd like to, I mean, you talked about your journey started in 2018. Um, that's a long way to come in five years. Uh, so where were you before and what sort of, what led you to this spot? Sure, sure. So Personally. I, I, um, I've battled with, you know, my primary Substance of choices, alcohol. Uh, that's what led me, you know, to a lot of, of um, unfortunate situations. Um, I grew up in a broken home. My father was uh, an alcoholic. He did what he wanted when he wanted to do do it, and we should just probably get out of his way while he's doing it. Uh, my mother Better for everybody, right? Right. Uh, my mother, she was a devout Christian, uh, amazing woman, and. You know, basically I was raised, my, my values, my spiritual foundation was built around the teachings from my mom, my uh, grandmother, our great-grandmother, and my great-aunt, uh, Big Mama, uh, Granny, and my mom. <laughs> and, you know, they believed— Strong in, women. Yeah, very strong women, very strong, compassionate women, and, uh, you know, learned all the basics, you know, say, yes, sir, uh, yes, ma'am, look people in the face, respect your elders— honor God and serve the people, you know, and those things actually, those are the uh, foundations that I live by today. Um, 
But I was going to say, it sounds like that's flowing through you right now. It is now. But there was, like there you was said, there was a gap yeah. <laughs> in between. Um, you know, I always felt, even though those those foundations were present, they always felt awkward growing up. I felt like, um, you know, I've done a lot of healing work, and, and we'll get into that a, a little bit later, but I um, always felt not invited to the party, uh-huh. you know, always on the outside looking in. And, um, you know, there are some circumstances that happened between in my family life that kind of defined the the trauma in my life. Um, I was abused by my father physically and at age eight. And that um, catapulted that that feeling useless, you know, not mattering, feeling less than fearful. Um, when I turned 12 years old, I had my first drink of alcohol. And I was invited to a party. Uh, my sister who was a year older than me. She was, you know, she was she knew a lot of older people. Um, she would hang out with uh, gang members, drug dealers. Um, so I kind of fantasized about these these different things. And when I was invited to this party, I had my first sip of alcohol, and it was like all of a sudden, not only was I invited to the party, but I felt like I was invited to the party. <laughs> And, um, you know, I got into a fight that night and alcohol and fighting kind of defined my life for mm-hmm. a big portion of my life, you know. And I was, from that point on, um, I was in and out of uh, juvenile detention. Um, when I was 13 years old, my mom left. She's from Micronesia. That's the islands off the South Pacifics. Yeah. Um, and so when, when she left... I was left to stay with my father, whose authority I did not respect. And basically I hit the streets and I was ripping and running um, from age 13 to 18. Um, gang activity. Um, you got it in it deep deep and early. Super deep, super fast. And um, yeah, so I got into, a, um, the, the, you know, I went to school off and on. The only reason I went to school is because I played sports and I wanted to. That's not, that was my only outlet, and through the support of coaches, um, extended family, like friends, you know, I always had somewhere to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I wasn't in juvenile detention, I was living with one of my friends, or uh, and barely making it to school, um, and that would carry on all through high school. Uh, the, the funny thing, I was radically changed my senior year. Um, the guy at our school, there was a, a Christian guy who used to evangelize the school and. Um, you know, I got curious about God and, um, what that led to was an experience in my room calling out to God. It's like, God, if you're real, um, show me. And in that moment he showed up Hmm. now, I'd like to say that I never drank after that and everything was, but that wasn't the magic moment. That wasn't the magic moment. Um, you know, for a couple of years, I was sober for a couple of years out of high school and I worked for our local church and was doing some amazing things and felt that I had found my destiny. Yeah. Um, and then I, the day that I turned 21, for whatever reason, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to have a drink. It was like, I call it the, you know, in recovery, call it the insanity of the first drink, you know? And I remember thinking in my mind, it's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And if it's something bad that's happened, I'll figure this thing out. Right. 
And here we are, you know, 20 some years later, I finally figured some things out. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to, yeah, let's, we'll pick up on that after a break. And before we go to break, I got somebody uh, on the phones that, that wants to say hello. So, uh, Derek, you're on line one. Go ahead. Rob C., what is going on? You remember me, don't you? Who's this? Derek. Cousin Derek? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> hey, it's Cousin Derek from Alabama. From Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad it's you tapping in, brother. I saw you, saw you post, and I uh, just want to take this opportunity to say I love you. I'm proud of you. Um, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I'm your biggest fan. You know, I've already um, got that picture <laughs> and um, posted it on Sea World. Yes, sir. Uh, and like I, and so like I said, that's how I, how I knew you were on here. I just wanted to call and just say I love you, love oh, the man. family, I love everything you do. And I'm so proud of you, and I'm so happy for you as well. So, you know, keep on doing what you're doing. God has definitely blessed everything that you're looking at right now, everything you're touching, everybody on the airways right now. So you just, just keep on keeping on, man. I love you. Love you, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for tapping in. We'll talk soon. <laughs> All right. You take care. Thanks, everybody Derek. have a blessed day, and thank you. That was uh, That's a nice way to, to go on break, but I, I think that – illustrates the stuff you get yes. right that you get back when you absolutely when you take that step um all right we are at our uh 20 minute break and uh if you're just tuning in my guest today is one of recover alaska sober heroes for 23 rob c of anchorage and rob is talking about his story and uh, as we move forward in the program we're going to talk about men young men older men, um, some of the challenges in recovery and, uh, and addiction and some of the barriers. So if you want to join us today on line one, our Anchorage uh, local number is 907-550-8433. Toll free, we're at 188-353-5752. And our email is line1 at alaskapublic.org. After a short break, we'll continue with more of our conversation. I'm Prentice Pemberton. You're listening to Line One your health connection on Alaska Public Media. You're listening to Line One from Alaska Public Media. You can find Line One on alaskapublic.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Quality child care creates futures for families, children, and the state's economy. When children are safe, engaged, and learning, parents can work and everyone has a better outcome. Thread has resources to support your family in their child care search. Knowing what to look for in a licensed facility is important for the safety of your children. Thread also offers parenting resources and support. To learn more about quality child care in Alaska, visit threadalaska.org. This message sponsored by Thread. Welcome back to the Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I am your host, Prentice Pemberton. For those of you just joining us today, my guest is uh, Rob C., who is one of the Recover Alaska Sober Heroes for 2023. He's also involved in 
a lot of work with the homeless community here in Anchorage and, and finding some solutions um, for that. And he works a lot with men and recovery, which is sort of one of the the topics of today's conversation. Um, so today, Rob is just sharing a little bit about his story, and um, and we're going to get into some of the challenges, as I said, and and problems that that men have in in accessing. I guess during COVID, I mean, access is one of the most critical features for getting people help, and sure. those things that you mentioned, like the barriers, just shot through the roof um, for those couple years right like as far as like anything to get people help um absolutely we um yeah you know we definitely it kind of brought the the issue of housing insecurity to the forefront here in anchorage alaska um you know it's definitely been something that's been nationally uh observed in most of our big cities you know we know about la we know about san francisco we know about seattle and portland and um, I think we reached a breaking point during here for our our community and uh, for the municipality of Anchorage during COVID. And since then, it's been this big hot topic of debate. And um, you know what we've been able to do as an as me as an individual and Henning as an organization is just to provide what we can to fill gaps that glaring gaps. Um, you know, and there's so many, you know, like this, the, the work that we do, um, I say the, the we are, are a, we're positioned to utilize people with lived experience, the peer support model to help walk people through. There are more gaps than that. Obviously, just being a person of um, uh, with lived experience, you don't just have units available to put people in, right? Um, but like I was saying, you know, I've partnered with so I found that there's a lot of property owners who want to help, who have utilized their apartment buildings or their their properties to house individuals with housing vouchers that have barriers. Um, but what happens is those individuals haven't, you know, dealt with a lot of the trauma, right. uh, a lot of the, the the stuff that keeps them from being able to be independent. And so what happens is they go there into this house and then they're just dropped off into this house or apartment and they're left there with their devices, you know. Good luck. Good luck, right? Um, so three months into it, now they're being evicted because they've destroyed the property. Now you have a, a property owner who's upset. You have an individual who feels a little less hopeless. And now you've got service providers trying to wrap around and pick up the the pieces. So what we've done as an organization, we started master leasing units. Um, so what what that means is we'll take a property, like uh, the, the first property we did was last March. It's a three bedroom house in Fair, Fairview. And we master lease it for a year. And we say anything that happens to this property, we will take personal care of. Guarantees the yeah, we have buy-in. The landlord. Yes. Yeah, you got skin in the game. We got skin in the game because obviously we're not going to put individuals in there that aren't ready to be independent. Right. Um, you know, and so we've done that. We've got a uh, fourplex in Mountain View that we master lease. We have a six, um, sixplex in Spinard that we master lease. And we just acquired our uh, first property of our own that we're going to turn into transitional out. Um, housing for individuals that we serve is uh and this is a side note we're kind of getting sidetracked into the homeless conversation oh, yeah, which is really really interesting but yeah. um is there a 
is there a feeling that I mean, because there's so much resistance from from neighborhoods and communities that they don't want these big, you know, facilities in their place. They don't they don't want in their neighborhoods. Sure. Um, it, have you found that a smaller a duplex here, a fourplex there that is managed and quieter and sort of fits into the yeah, community think, is a better model? It's yeah. It's more integrative. It yeah, I, I believe, you know, scattered sites is what we yeah, call yeah, them. Okay. Yep, scattered sites. It's, you know, we did the Sullivan Arena and it was a big congregate shelter. It's not ideal, though. That's not an ideal setting, you know, for had to have 500 people. It's kind of dehumanizing. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's tough, you know, and this is the thing. Survival. Right. Well, in the beginning of COVID, it was necessary, yeah. you know, yeah. um, but that should have been a very temporary thing. Um, we, and so we've learned a lot as a city. We've learned a lot like, hey, that's not can do, especially the Sullivan Arena. I mean, it's it's an arena. It's uh-huh. not a shelter. No. Um, it's a security nightmare, right? Um, so, yeah, we definitely had some bumps and bruises along the way. But, again, if Henning didn't step in right then and there to – provide that service where would the where would 500 some people go know, yeah. you know so we've learned a lot we've we've um, pivoted into a housing model right now with utilizing master lease master leasing to give property owners um, certainties and some assurances that their properties can be taken care of and that we can walk along individuals that we place in these these units um, so yeah, like I said, we I created an organization, Northern Alliance um, Reentry and Management Solutions, for to um, acquire property, to master lease, and to you know we we partner with partners for reentry. We just got uh, out of a meeting with Cookland Tribal Council. Um, so yeah, those are the gaps. I love the model of um, of the the hotel. Yeah, and and you all sort of partnering. That's private industry and. You know these sort of community programs that are partnering to solve problems. Yeah, yeah, the, we've nice. had several uh, hotel conversions. Um, you know, with at the Aviator, um, the Guest House, and uh, I think the Barrett might be coming online soon. There's a lot of collaboration. You know, I can't just sit there and say, "Yeah, Henning is doing everything." Um, you know, the Anchorage Coalition and Homelessness, um, uh, Catholic Social Services, the um, Land Trust. Um, there's a lot, Rasmussen, you know, there's yeah. a lot of co- collaboration involved to, to make these things happen. All right. So let's talk, um, I guess let's get into men. We're at the halfway point of our show and, uh, you work a lot of, a, a lot with men yes. in early recovery. And I guess let's, let's start it off with like, what are some of the things like anecdotally from your lived experience from being in the streets and working with men you know, I guess from all walks of life, um, what are some of the some of the things that you're hearing or picking up that really stand out for you as some of the challenges? Well, I think, um, you know, the biggest challenge is that, you know, we live in a society where men aren't encouraged to talk about their feelings. You know, um, men aren't encouraged to take a deep dive in healing, personal healing. You know, it's it's more like just, you know, you're supposed to be, you know, strong and supposed to 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 just pull, you know, pull up your bootstraps and go and work and, you know, all these things, which in and of itself is not a bad thing. But if you're dealing with some trauma, you're dealing with some some healings and you're not dealing with it, 
that's going to bleed over. You know, you pour some alcohol over that or any kind of substance. Now you're, you know, you're dealing with a very volatile individual with no outlet. Right. You know, so people come and ask me, you know, like, especially men, they, when they call me, they're like, hey, man, my life is in shambles, you know, and it, and, it's, and it varies. Some people that have lost everything that don't have a dime to their name. But, you know, I work with guys who are multimillionaires, right. you know, that have everything and they feel just as empty. And so the first thing I do is assess where they're at, you know, um, and we identify some things that, you know, point of points of hurt, points of traumas in their life. And we start to unpackage those things. And that, that process can be tough for men, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I've done it myself. You know, I had to go through a lot of uncomfortable situations. Um, like I said, I think what helps me is that I was raised around strong women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have, I value women, you know, I have a respect for women and the, um, the, 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 the a lot can be, um, learned from, from how, how, from the women in my life anyway. Yeah. And you know, women, I mean, men drink at a much higher rate. They abuse alcohol, like binge drinking is a higher, um, higher frequency for men than women. That's a big difference. Um, but also the isolation that men feel often seems to be a big barrier because women, seem naturally to do better at friendships and mm-hmm. connections and having that sort of natural support group. Sure. Um, a man stops drinking and sitting at home. What's next? Like, right. Right. It's kind of like, uh, what's you know, missing. You, 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 that isolation piece is, is very nasty. Um, it's really easy to get dark. Um, it's easy to not reach out. You can have all the support out there and you know it, but we just, that, that phone feels like it's a thousand pounds, right? It's heavy. It's really heavy. Um, so you do, you know, it's, it's, it, we have to, as men, we have to be willing to join a community of men, hmm. um, a community of men who, who suffer or not suffer, but are dealing with the same healing trauma, the same things that, you know, uh, that everybody deals with. These are things that are okay. Men need to know that it's okay to come from a place that you're needing healing, but you got to be willing to take action. There's there's a big push I've seen um, among celebrities and more recently the sports world, where I've seen men speaking out about the power of vulnerability and connection and asking for help and being okay, not having to be. And these are professional athletes right right and, and i see these little spots like during an nba game or something and i i think that represents kind of a shift in the way men are starting to talk about mental health and addiction and i don't know do you think addiction is lagging behind in that um acceptance uh behind mental health a little bit because i i do hear a lot of mental health stuff yeah um well i think it gets uh a, a convoluted into everything gets pulled into one and you know there is issues of of substance abuse and then there's issues of mental health some of them are co-occurring yeah um but yeah i think there is a push for for men that it's okay it's just it's just starting and um you know you know i think there's a lot of 
we have a, a huge history of just toxic masculinity um, to where it's like if I talk about my feelings, then that means I'm weak or, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of that to unpackage. Yeah, and a lot of that's, I think, in our head. Yeah. That sense of, like, I mean, you start opening up, you start talking to people. Um, I'm sure you've had that experience. Once you start telling your story, people come up to you and be like, hey, like, <laughs> can I talk to you about something? Exactly. Right? That, that's exactly how it happens yeah. every time. Um, you know, I, people are reaching out on Facebook saying, hey, you know, um, I, I think that for me personally, it's been an honor to spearhead a movement of somebody who maybe they see, you know, that's, people know me from a lot of different walks of life. Rob from the streets, he was no joke on the streets, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, Rob now in recovery, he's no joke in recovery. You know, Rob loves the Lord. He's no joke in his relationship with God. Um, you know, so for somebody, for men out there who maybe have this uh, aura of, of they're tough and but to be able to say, hey, look, I'm hurting too, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hurt every single day. And there's things that I have to do in my life um, in order to have a peace of mind, you know, to get out of my head. You know, there's a period of time when I wake up in the morning where um, there's a, a voice, man. It's like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. And I have this negative talk, negative talk. And then there's another voice saying, like, get to your toothbrush. Get up, get to your toothbrush. And if you get to, if I get to my toothbrush, then I can start my day, uh-huh. you know? So, you know, people don't see those struggles. A lot of times I mean, we talk about do the next right thing. Um, but what you're talking about is doing the first right thing. Yes. I just got to get, <laughs> get yes. to, my, to get some momentum rolling. Right. And, you know, and, and that, you know, in, pref, uh, in the first thing I do every morning, I get out, I get, I roll out of bed and I just get on my knees and I ask God, for his will and the power to carry that out. Now, I'm not sitting there saying that I have this amazing spiritual experience. 90% of the time, I don't. But at least I open myself up to the spiritual nature of my personal being, and then I act my way into better thinking yeah. <laughs> instead of trying to think my way into better acting. I mean, maybe sometimes you're maybe sometimes you're just praying to yourself, like talking to yourself. Oh, most of the time, that's what it is, right? It seems, yeah, it seems like that the power of prayer, it's a real thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I've always wondered about the mechanism of that. And it, you know, uh, but I wonder if it's, it's almost like you tap into your higher self. Like yeah. you let go of your ego and your pride and, when you humble yourself and you ask or you pray, right? Like, well, yeah, and I think you're looking for truth. Yeah, and I think bottom line, you know, we are spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. There's a port, a huge portion. However, whatever your belief, personal belief is, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a firm believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that doesn't work for everybody, um, but I, what I tell people is, especially people I work with, is like, in order to do this work that we do, you have to be spiritually fit. So whatever it is that you have to do, whether you pray to an orange peel or whether you pray, pray to God or if you're Muslim or if you're whatever it is, if you're not tapping into the spiritual nature of your being, then you are not operating in your full potential or full now, capacity. The God question is something that a lot of people run into as a barrier mm-hmm. right? when they get into meetings or the traditional 12-step stuff. Sure. Um, like, what do you say to people that don't have that connection? Like, what is the, 
can you tap into that spirituality yeah, without believing in some higher, you know? Sure, sure. Like sentient uh, being. My my, what I encourage people that you know, I have a lot of friends who are atheists um, that come from atheist backgrounds and whatnot, and as long as you're tapping into, it, it just can't be you. <laughs> it can be anything else. Take That's the, the point. Take the attention off of self. And uh-huh. there's obviously there are powers out here in this world that you can naturally see. It's like you didn't make that mountain. You didn't create sunlight. It's like whatever, like tap into whatever it is you need to tap into outside of yourself. Right. Who put you in charge? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Worst company when I'm in charge. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh that's something I, I hear a lot though. I just don't like the God thing. Yeah. You know, and you know, try to working, working people around that, um, because that is often a barrier. So for men, is it, I mean, is it a pride that stands in the way of a lot of, of reaching out for help? You said a community of men. Yeah. Um, and that's something I'd like to, I'd like to come back and, uh, and sure. pick up on and why that's so important and why, you know, why, uh, men are supposed to talk to men and not do that work with women, I think is another interesting question and something we ought to throw out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So if you're just tuning in, my guest today is uh, one of the Recover Alaska Sober Heroes for 23, Rob C. of Anchorage, who is uh, telling his story and talking about some of his experiences working with men in recovery and some of the unique challenges uh, that bring that brings along. So if you have a question uh, for Rob or, or just a story you want to share about addiction, um, you can reach us in three ways. In Anchorage, our local number is 950-907-550-8433. Outside of Anchorage, you can call us toll-free at 1-888-353-5752. And the last way to get your question on the air is to email us at line1-at-alaskapublic.org. After this short break, we'll be back with more of our conversation. I'm Prentice Pemberton, and this is Line 1, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. You're listening to Line 1 from Alaska Public Media. You can find Line 1 on alaskapublic.org or wherever you get your podcasts. In recognition of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Alaska Community Action on Toxics with grant support from the Alaska Run for Women presents a health tip sourced by Consumer Reports. Some toxic compounds are used in nonstick cookware. To avoid cancer-causing chemicals called PFAS, avoid the use of stick-resistant cookware for cooking. Instead, use glass bakeware and stainless steel or cast iron pans. Learn more at akaction.org. This message sponsored by ACAT. Welcome back to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I am your host, Prentice Pemberton. If you're just joining us, my guest is Rob C. of Anchorage. He is uh, sharing with us uh, a little bit of his work with the homeless community. We've talked, he shared his own story, and we're talking about men in recovery, some of the barriers and challenges. Um, If you want to reach us in the last, uh, say, 10 minutes or so, don't wait much longer to call in. Our local number is 907-550-8433. Toll free one eight eight three five three five seven five two, and our email is line one at alaskapublic.org. Um, all right, Rob, I want to talk briefly about. Um, I want to talk briefly about this. You mentioned a community of men, and uh, 
why that, I mean, that does seem to be something that's lacking in our society in general. Yeah. Um, I see that when men and women get divorced, yes, the women have this circle of, of friends and the men are often like, well, now what? All my friends were connected through my wife or right. they were, yeah, she's so good at all of that or through the school. And now men don't know how to reach out. Sure. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it's a huge cultural thing um, that men aren't encouraged to reach out. Like As we're building our careers, as we're building who we are and our personalities and everything, um, we're not encouraged to check in on each other and say and, and speak um, about things that about pain in our lives, mm-hmm. um, about suffering, even from the past, present. Um, we're, that's just not. Not not only is it not encouraged, but it's kind of discouraged, you know. And we just have a very that's that's what I mean, you know. When I say toxic masculinity, that's the, that's the angle that I'm coming from. Well, because um, it's toxic, because it's poison, right? Right. To hold all that stuff in. I mean, you and I are at work, and I see you're struggling. I don't come up to you and be like, "Hey, bud, how's it going?" You, and then you're like, oh, "Yeah, can I just have a hug?" Right. Like, right. We're not doing that. Right. Or I'm not offering you a hug. Right. I'm saying, how you doing? You're saying good. Yep. That's it. And, 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 and here's the crazy thing. It's like there's there's been I know because there's been times in my life where I know this individual is struggling and I'm struggling, but we're not going to talk about it. Uh-uh. <laughs> right? We're just going to look at we're each other. Just look at each other like, OK, let's go get a drink <laughs> you know, or, or something like that. You know what I mean? But it's uh, I, I think, you know, you, you kind of touched on it Um that there is a growing aware, there's definitely an awareness, and there's a growing movement of men being encouraged to talk about their feelings, talking about, and and not just, you know, quote unquote, typical tough guys, you know, uh, being yeah. encouraged to talk about your feelings. Yeah, when you have, I think it's a powerful message when you have the tight end, you know, for whoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Kansas City. I, I won't say that because I don't know him, but some yeah. in NFL player who's really tough and he's saying, like, I hurt too. Yes. Right. Or they're talking about suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Um, that stuff is, is courageous and, and people get vulnerability mixed up with weakness. But it's right. And that's the thing vulnerability is the epitome of courage. Yeah. strength um and you, you you mentioned uh you know mental health i had to get first and foremost like i can't sit come up here and talk about healing and recovery and stuff if i haven't done the deep dive myself and um you know right l- the last time we met here i had just began my real um healing and journey my mental health journey mm-hmm. you know because i do deal with that you know i deal with self harm i deal with feeling less than and um you know i had a good conversation it's funny the, how that came out was with the conversation with my wife you know i just know that i wanted if i was going to step into this arena of being an advocate for recovery and in mental health i had to get honest about mine you know and so what i discovered in a conversation with her she she has an amazing life coach her name is betsy oliver shout out to betsy oliver um but she's done a deep my wife did a deep dive with her about her healing and so I'm sitting there telling my wife about how you know I deal with you know suicidal thoughts I deal with mental health and she's just looking at me like oh my goodness she's like where do you feel this at (laughs) you know (laughs) 
What else? What do you feel in your body? Yes, yes. You start doing this stuff. What? I'm like, wait a minute. What are we doing here? You know, and come to find out, you know, I got in touch with this eight year old version of myself. Um, Quickly after this conversation, I started building my mental health support network, and it's men and women, and these are people that check in on me every day, one way or another. That whether I like it or not, (laughs) but we have to be willing to go there as men. And um, I'm looking. Uh, I, I really do believe that there is a growing movement of men that are looking for that type of outlet. Yeah, and men, you mentioned uh, the co-occurring. Um, that for people who might not know what that means, it's uh, both a substance abuse, you know, disorder and a mental health, depression, anxiety, bipolar, something like that. Uh, men have a much higher rate of co-occurring uh, depression and or anxiety and substance abuse. Women tend to have less of that and they can get into sort of just, I drank too much wine. I've worked with a lot of women that have like, I just started drinking too much wine at parties and then I realized it was not good Yeah, and I felt terrible. So I needed to look into that. That would be somebody that developed sort of a substance abuse problem just by exposure. Right. Right. And, right. and repeating cocktail hours. Right. <laughs> Every, like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. And then they check themselves. Yeah. That's different than somebody who's really drinking right. to escape some level of pain, trauma, those voices that you talked about in your head that I'm not good enough. Right. I don't measure up. Um, and that comes from, you mentioned your eight year old boy. That's why, because that's where those that's thoughts where live. live. That's yeah. where they were born. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a part of me when I was eight years old and um, where I completely shut down and I died in that moment. Um, so I had to go back. Now I have to go back and have to talk to that version of myself and say, hey, mm-hmm. you're going to live. <laughs> Little eight-year-old Rob, you're going to live. Not only are you going to live, you're going to live well. And um, that's the conversation. That's what happened after I talked to my wife that day. And it was so freeing, at the same time terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I can talk about it. I can come sit here and talk to Prentice about this. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of freedom in that. Just, you know, my, my hope is that men that are listening to this, it's like, yes, you too can have this this process and it doesn't take too much just some willingness to be vulnerable that is and it's okay to be vulnerable and somebody that'll listen to you it's about taking the leap yeah definitely and yeah. some faith yeah um <clears throat> i do want to get to phone call We're running out of time and i appreciate uh let's let's get um sarah in anchorage you're on line one go ahead Hi. Um, yeah, I was just wondering, you know, when the homeless are coming in um, and you guys are putting them in temporary housing or whatever the situation is, are you guys offering them um, assistance with treatment for addiction or how does that work? Because um, I actually was homeless last winter and I was staying at the Alice Hotel. Um, I think I went through about five different roommates and um, it, from what they were telling me, it didn't seem like they were really talk to you at all about treatment for for addiction yeah so we do uh, if somebody comes into shelter we do an initial assessment and I believe last year you know it was a lot more loosely offered as far as like are you interested in treatment are you interested in um, different various things um, 
and it wasn't as robust as it is that it's going to be this year. You know, um, last year was our first year in shelter. So our first, our primary objective was to get people warm and to get people fed. Um, this year we have actually put together a intake process, intake form, and we've, um, uh, developed even bigger, better relationships and more streamlined, uh, relationships with like Cook Inlet Tribal Council, Banyan. Um, but yes, this year, you, as emergency shelter comes on online, we are definitely ready and equipped to better assess every individual that comes across our paths. Sarah, All thank you. good stuff. But, you know, when last year, um, you know, like I said, I went through about five roommates. People were getting kicked out for minor infractions. One of my roommates was kicked out because she checked in late. Um, and then I actually was kicked out at 9 p.m. at night on New Year's Eve with nowhere to go because they found cigarette butts in my room when I was at work. And they talked to my roommate first, and she said they weren't hers, so they just took her word for it and decided they must be mine. And, yeah, kicked me out at 9 p.m. on New Year's Eve with nowhere to go. That's not really having much compassion for the homeless or keeping them warm. So I'm hoping, you know, you guys are making some changes to how you guys handle that, too, because, like I said, you were kicking people out right and left for something, which made me think that maybe it's just about money, you know, however you guys are paid from the from the city or whatever to take care of the homeless because – didn't seem like, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, I just, first and foremost, I just want to apologize for any negative experience you had. You know, we definitely do not get everything right, you know, and um, we've made a lot of changes since last year. And, uh, you know, it, and, of course, we'll, we'll make more mistakes as it comes. But in an emergency situation, it's hard to um, build, a, build, like, um, a process and enforce a process at the same time. And we do things do slip through the gaps. So, um, yes, I, I, I'm looking forward to this year being a lot more um, streamlined and a better process. All right, Sarah, thank you so much um, for that call. And it does make me, it brings up a question for me. Do you guys ever, because Sarah's reaching out and advocating for herself, right? And yeah. saying this is my was my experience and it didn't feel very good. Um, do you guys, or, or does the, you know, all the, these, resources are you taking feedback from people who are consumers of these services and really asking them what's working what's not working what helps what doesn't help yeah absolutely we you know last year we did we had town halls um with uh, with a third party oversight as well um then and, and we've we've got a list of things that we had to change you know and um this year we'll be much much better prepared to facilitate all right. Um, yeah, we only got a couple minutes left and I want to kind of get your last thoughts on, you know, if there's a, there's a guy out there who's struggling, a man who's like trying to make a decision and feeling that isolation and that despair, like, what do you, what's some words? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, if you're out there right now and you just like, man, I am struggling, um, but I feel hope right now in this moment. Um, and I need to speak to somebody, um, email me, email me right now at no losses 422 at gmail.com. Um, what I've found is like, there's not spaces. There's not like a bunch of groups and stuff that facilitate this type of conversation. So it has to be organic, it has to be authentic and it has to be bold. Um, so I'm just, just one person that's trying to get a message out to men who are struggling. 
you know, um, contact me. I know there's a couple of guys right now that I'm going to go see right after this meeting to talk to and have coffee and talk about their um, the, with the, their their struggles, their issues. So um, that's the one thing I can be honest honest and authentic about. It's like putting myself out there. It seems like sharing your story with other men and people in general is important to your own mental health. It is. It's contingent. My mental health and my uh-huh. overall wellness contingent on me being willing to be of service, be willing to, to share my story. Um, I just had a, a meeting yesterday with the uh, Alaska Children's Trust, and I'm sharing my story with them um, and getting it out there. Yeah, it's my goal to pr- be able to f- provide safe spaces for men and for women too. But um, Are there places that men can find this community? Of men, I mean, how does like if, if somebody's sitting at home, like, oh, do I just pick up a phone? Community of men, right? Like, <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> there's there's not a lot. Yeah, there's not a lot right now. Um, it's a huge gap that I'm looking um, to uh, help fill. Uh, there's, you know, you, you find it, you know, in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and various 12-step programs. There's men only There's men groups. there. There's men only groups. There's, right. you know, church, local churches. There's men's uh, Bible studies and all these different things, but. Um, we, you know, it's it's all new. This is new, like as far as being vulnerable men. <laughs> like we can go into a lot of these different groups and still yeah. have the the programmed, you know. I was uh, talking to somebody the other day that did a men's group at a church, and they weren't even a particularly religious person, um, but they just decided to do it because that was the only, that was the easiest, most accessible way to group to join a group of men, and it turned out to be an incredible experience for them. And the men, it wasn't based on religion. It was based on, you know, like being, Us. Just, yeah, being just, a dad, being yeah, a husband, yeah. being a friend. Um, and so those community groups can often, whether you're religious or not, yeah, I think you can show up there. and 100%. Like I've got a group of men that I, you know, that I started with in um, um, AA that I now meet with just regularly. You know, um, some are sober, some are not. Um, some believe in God, some don't. Um, but yeah, you know, I just think we got to be willing to put ourselves out there um, and just be on the lookout for different things that are coming online. All right. Well, as always, I appreciate uh, your time and the conversation. Um, that's all the, the time we have for today. So my thanks to Recover Alaska Sober Hero, Rob C. I really appreciate you being here, my Thank friend. You. Looking forward to it again. Good seeing you. You too. Um, be sure to share today's episode and help spread the message about support and resource, resources that are available for Alaskans who struggle with addiction. My thanks to Line One producer uh, Madeline Rose and my audio engineer Chris Hyde. For all of us at Line One, I'm Prentice Pemberton. Line One is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Views expressed are those of the host and participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Learn more about Line One and listen online at alaskapublic.org. This is Alaska Public Media.